Father, we thank you for this day that you have given to us to come aside from all of the cares, all of the different areas of focus of our regular week, to, to come aside and just be refreshed and to drink deeply. Uh, bless us in this Sunday school period, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're covering chapter 22. We're going to, Lord willing, finish that up today. There's not really a lot more to say on it. Uh, but the, the chapter on oaths and vows. And last week we mentioned some different types of oaths that people regularly take. There's the oath of the military service. There's oaths that we take in court to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, so, so we take oaths in a variety of contexts uh, in, our, in our regular life, uh, and we mentioned the, the uh, vows of church membership are, are one of those examples. Um, after the Sunday school, one of the men came up and said uh, that it had kind of helped him put in perspective an experience that he had had just the previous week where uh, because of everything that's going on in the world, uh, the Pentagon is at very heightened alert, uh, particularly for contingencies for nuclear uh, events. And so this gentleman was assigned to show a very senior figure in the Pentagon what he was supposed to do, where the helicopter is, to take him to the secure base under the mountain and all that sort of stuff. And the Pentagon official said, let's be real. My wife and children are in this area. If an ICBM is headed for the United States, I'm going home to my wife and children. And he said, you would too. And the gentleman said, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I made an oath. Uh, and the official said, well, you know, when push comes to shove, uh, we all know what's really going to happen. And the gentleman said, no, <laughs> I made an oath. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to fulfill my oath. And, and that, I think, just shows kind of a different worldview uh, that, that exists, and particularly in modern America. I, th I think this is a a very modern thing. A lot of the stuff in this chapter is dealing with an older way of viewing the world. And we gave an example when we looked at um, the original language of Section 3. The, the end of Section 3 says, uh, the original confession says, that it is a sin not to take an oath that is lawfully imposed. And the American revision in 1789 took that out. Uh, and their concern was that when you, so for instance, uh, the, the military draft. Is it a sin to be a draft dodger? Uh, when, when the military says you've got to serve your country and you say, I don't believe that this is a just cause, uh, and I have no intention of serving my country, uh, is it a sin not to enlist in the military? Well, the original confession would have said yes. Uh, that's a lawful oath 
that is being imposed upon the young man uh, when he's drafted to military service. Uh, Potentially, I suppose you could make the uh, argument that when you signed, uh, I think young people still do it today, don't they? You got to register for the draft when you turn like 18 or so. Did you have to register for the draft? Yeah, part of selective service, part of getting your driver's license. Uh, so I suppose the case could be made when you registered for selective service, you essentially volunteered to be drafted. Um, but, but my point is that we live in a different day, a different understanding. And, and again, a good example from last, that, that we mentioned last week is the reason that Augustine refused initially to go to Hippo was because he knew they were going to make him a bishop. And he did not feel qualified to be a bishop. And he also knew that he could not refuse to become a bishop. Once the church said, you must be a bishop, Augustine had to say, okay, I'll do it. Uh, same thing with John Knox. When, when John Knox was called to the pastoral ministry, uh, he did not feel that he had the, uh, the right to say no. The, the church had lawfully called him. He did not want to be a pastor. He went to his room and supposedly wept and fasted for three days, uh, but then ultimately said, the church called me, I have to do it. Uh, same with, with uh, Calvin and Pharrell in Geneva, where, where Pharrell says, God has called you to come to Geneva, and if you do not come, he will curse you. Uh, and, and so this is a this is a different way of understanding authority. It's a different way of understanding the relationship of uh, godly authority, lawful authority to individual conscience. Uh, in an older worldview, your individual conscience is to be uh, subsumed. It's to take second place to lawful authority. So if lawful authority says you must do this, even if your conscience says, I don't want to, I don't think it's right, I'm not the right person for the job, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the fact that it's instituted by lawful authority makes it a sin to turn it down. Um, now, again, the, the American revision serves to uh, distance a little bit, and, and I think rightly so. Uh, I think rightly so. When, when the... Uh, uh, Confession is written, I think it really brings out a new uh, component of theology, and that is the liberty of conscience, that God alone is Lord of the conscience, because imposing a vow upon another person is imposing the lawful authority's conscience on the other person. And, and so the confession uh, maybe didn't go all the way originally, but certainly the 1789 revision is consistent with the confession's teaching regarding uh, the, the liberty of the conscience. But let's move on and uh, just wrap up. Uh, there, like I said, there's not a lot more to be said, uh, but we do still have uh, four more sections uh, to go through. So we're going to pick up in section four, uh, which is on page 933. An oath is to be taken in the plain and common sense of the words without revocation or mental reservation. It cannot oblige to sin, 
But in anything not sinful being taken, it binds to performance, though to a man's own hurt. Nor is it to be violated, although made to heretics or infidels. So when you take an oath, You, you, have, you have made this oath, you have made this promise before God, and we, we don't take it with our fingers crossed. Uh, it's, it's made in the plain sense. And it also must be fulfilled. Now, where is an example in the modern day of where we need to recover this basic truth? Glaring example where oaths are made and lightly cast aside. Marriage. (laughs) The marriage oath. And I I think it's, it's abominable that divorce rates within the Christian community are not super different. I mean, divorce in the evangelical church should be something that we're shocked at. It should be something that we might say, yeah, I heard about someone somewhere years ago that got a divorce. Uh, And yet, how many of us know, maybe even family members or know, you know, Christians who have gotten divorces? That's a question. Yeah, I mean, pretty much everybody. (laughs) Pretty much everybody. Now, there are biblical, obviously, there are biblical reasons for divorce. Infidelity, abandonment, uh, and and we'll get into that uh, on marriage and divorce. But um, one of the... Sadly, sadly, one of the uh, one of the aspects of my pastoral ministry uh, is talking to couples who have one or the other has pretty much made a decision that they're going to get a divorce, uh, and that's when the pastor gets called in. Is when the nuclear bomb has just gone off in the living room in the middle of the fight. And then the pastor is called to come and talk people off the ledge. And I can tell you my success rate is pretty low. Because once you are willing to make that statement, my marriage vow is done and I have legitimate reasons. And again, qualified, there are legitimate reasons. But very few times have I walked into that situation and gone, yeah, no, this is right. You've got a biblical reason. Most often, it's we just don't love each other anymore. Uh, We're not good for each other. Uh, I'm not making her happy. Uh, He's not the provider that that he should be. Uh, I've, I've fallen out of love. My goodness, if I hear that one more time, just fair warning, if any of you people ever call me, and you tell me you've fallen out of love, I am going to hit you. Uh, that is the stupidest uh, thing that I've ever heard. I don't care what your feelings are. I don't care whether you feel in love at the moment or not, because you made an oath. And there's, there's, a, there's a passage um, in, 
it's the movie A Man for All Seasons, which is the the story. Ah, anybody remember who the hero is in Cromwell? No, 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 no. It's not Cromwell. <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> anyway, in the movie A Man for All Seasons, um, the the daughter. Just the quote that I'm remembering. The daughter is named Meg. I can't remember who her father is. But, but her father basically has given an oath uh, to, to the Protestant church, and his life is in, is in jeopardy. Uh, he's not only going to lose his position as uh, Archbishop uh, Cranmer. That's who it was. <laughs> Cranmer. Close to Cromwell. Uh, but, but Meg, the daughter, goes to her father and says, listen, you know, it's an easy thing. Just say, I, I, I'm, I no longer hold this. Uh, just, just say the words. You don't have to believe it in your heart. Uh, you know, you, you've got to provide for your family. You're, you could get killed uh, over this thing. Just say it, Dad. Why are you, why are you making this uh, a hill to die on? And he responds with something that I hope that every one of us, married, not married, future marriage, whatever, every one of us, and I've used this quote so many times, he says, taking an oath is like a man holding water in his hands. And if you open your fingers, and let that water go, you'll never be able to pick it up again. And that's what your word is. That's what your honor is. Once you open your fingers and you let that honor go, you let that word go, you'll never recover your honor. You'll never recover that sense of, even to my hurt, I am going to do what I have been, what I have promised to do. Uh, and, and this idea, uh, you know, young people who come to marriage, you're looking at that beautiful lady, she's looking at that rugged, handsome man. The farthest thing from your mind standing in front of the altar is, this person is a bum, and so am I. That's the last thing on your mind. She's gorgeous. She's dressed beautifully. You, you know, your heart's a flutter and, and vice versa. You know, just what a, what a handsome, rugged man, a man who's going to provide, a man that I'm going to link my life to. What a, what a wonderful man. What a wonderful woman. And then a few years later on down the road, when this wonderful man isn't everything you hoped he would be, or this wonderful woman uh, isn't that you know she you 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 don't spend sixteen hours a day with her just batting her eyes at you and going you're darling what can I do to love you better <laughs> you 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 get into the reality of two broken sinners living together and that's when we start to get into you gave your word are you going to keep it uh, and and Sadly, I don't think there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on that, uh, particularly from the the church, uh, the pulpit, the pastors, uh, the elders. Uh, I think we may not emphasize that just as much as we should be, uh, just as much as we should. But 
But that section four, uh, I think, really speaks to marriage vows uh, very clearly. Other other examples that it gives, uh, and I'm thinking uh, specifically in verse seven or uh, section seven. Uh, no man may vow to do anything forbidden in the word of God or what would hinder any duty therein commanded or which is not in his own power and for the performance whereof he has no promise uh, of ability from God. So in other words, I cannot give a vow to do something I cannot do. Uh, this is, you know, you you come up to me, <laughs> well, <laughs> here's, a, here's a really, really shallow example uh, how many watch The Office? <laughs> the guilty hand. <laughs> so, do you remember the episode of Tots, Scott's Tots, where he goes to this this uh, uh, underprivileged school when all the kids are in like fifth grade, and he promises all the kids that if he if they graduate from high school he personally will pay for all their college uh, tuition. Now, his idea is it's seven, eight years from now. By that time, I'm going to be a millionaire, and it'll be easy for me to pay for all these kids' college tuitions. And then all of a sudden, he's reminded because they have graduation day, the principal invites him to come and address the class, and he realizes he's not a millionaire. He has no ability, and so he gives them batteries for their laptops. Uh, and it's, it's a comic Thing, but but there's a shallow example of uh, whoever the actor is, Stephen Carell, whatever whatever his thing is, uh, Michael Scott of, of Michael Scott making a vow that he has absolutely no ability to perform, uh, and and because giving our word is so important. Again, we're taking our honor, we're taking our identity uh, into our very hands, and voluntarily tying it to the performance of this thing, we need to be careful. <laughs> do not owe, or do not bow to perform things that you cannot perform. Uh, but then seven goes on, uh, in which respects, popish monastical vows of perpetual uh, single life, professed poverty, and regular obedience are so far from being degrees of high, of higher perfection, that they are superstitious and sinful snares in which no Christian may entangle himself. Now, again, that's a bit more pressing in their time. Uh, it's a bit more pressing in the 1600s uh, than it is today uh, because a lot of these guys are, are wrestling with, you know, I gave an oath to the church uh, and now I believe the church has veered off. I believe uh, that my calling is to protest. Uh, and, and so that becomes a real issue of are these lawful oaths? Absolutely. Yeah, your word should be as, um, yeah, people don't change. And, and so we need to be, we need to be very, very careful when we give our word. Uh, and so, so 
the, the confession obviously is speaking in the context of Roman Catholicism. In other words, you're a normal Christian. If you vow to become a monk or a nun, does that make you a better Christian? Uh, and the confession says no, because the Bible doesn't teach that God wants you to be single uh, for your entire life. This is not a scriptural principle. It's a man-made principle. Uh, perpetual obedience is also the vow that's made to the Roman Catholic Church that you will obey everything that the church decrees, not just up to this moment, but from this moment going forward. Uh, so if the church, 10 years from now, decrees ABC, you're bound uh, to, to, to follow ABC. Uh, and the confession saying no. That, uh, and, and, of course, this is in keeping with everything else the confession has been saying, uh, where God's word is our only rule of faith and practice and, and those things. But the bottom line is when you give your word, just give it. Uh, just in the plain sense of the word, you're not dancing around. Uh, you're, you're giving it, and you must fulfill it even when it becomes uncomfortable and unpleasant. Um, so an example of um, let's see, is that in section section four? An oath is to be taken in the plain and common sense of the words, without equivocation or mental reservation. It cannot oblige to sin. So. Who here can tell me the story of Jephthah and his vow? So just briefly tell me the story. So, yeah, it's in Judges 11, uh, and, and Jephthah says, you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will sacrifice the first thing I see. And his daughter comes out dancing with tambourines, daddy is coming home, he's alive, he's victorious, hooray, and daddy goes, you've ruined me. Uh, I can't believe that you're the first thing I've seen, uh, now I have to sacrifice you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he was expecting a goat <laughs> or a sheep. <laughs> yeah, they Yeah, at any rate. Uh and and so, you know, there there is debate, you know, does that mean that Jephthah put his daughter in the equivalent of a of a nunnery? Uh the scriptural text just seems to indicate he committed human sacrifice. Uh and he did so in response to this vow that he made to God. And the reason that I think he probably did actually commit human sacrifice is because in the very next chapter, his judgeship is cut short. Uh, and, and so Jephthah, the judge in Israel, is no longer a judge in Israel. And it seems that this is divine punishment for him vowing to do something abominable. Uh, human sacrifice, scripture, 
is totally against. That is an abomination. Uh, and, and so the fact that Jephthah feels so obliged to fulfill his vow that he will enter into this abomination uh, is not good. Uh, and, and so that's what our, our confession is reminding us there. Now, quickly, because we're at the end, um, our confession goes on then to make the difference, to make a distinction between vows and oaths. And that's in section uh, 5. A vow is of the like nature with a promissory oath and ought to be made with the like religious care and to be performed with the like faithfulness. It's not to be made to any creature but to God alone. And that it may be accepted, it's to be made voluntarily out of faith and conscience of duty. So a vow is made to God alone. An oath calls on God to witness. Uh, and, and so we use the term marriage vows. Uh, and, and I think marriage vows, in, in some ways, it's a marriage oath. Uh, I'm promising to this lady uh, to, uh, what's the words, uh, Anyway, uh, I just forgot. I say them a million times, but I, <laughs> off the moment can't. But but the the, the promise, you know, I'll, uh, till death do we part, uh, uh, to to cherish, to honor, to care for, all of that. Uh, till death do we part. Technically, I think is an oath. I'm making it to her, with calling upon God to witness and the congregation to witness. Uh, at the same time, there is an element of vow where it, I'm, I'm promising to God. Uh, I am making this promise to God. So, so these aren't clearly distinct categories. I think they, they overlap a fair amount. Uh, but the bottom line the confession is saying is keep your stinking word. Just do it. When you give your word, keep it. Don't give your word to things that are sinful. Don't give your word to things that you cannot do. But when you give your word, you keep it, even if it causes you hurt. Uh, and, and again, just to, to circle back around, why this is so important is because when you give your word, you are tying your identity to that promise. And so young men, young women, when you consider that person that you think God is calling you to link your life together with, when you give your word, you are taking this into your hands. You're taking your identity uh, into your very hands. And if you open your fingers and let that word slip out and pour out on the ground, just because he's a bum, just because she got ugly, uh, just because you fell out of love, all the pathetic reasons that are given, when you open your fingers and let your word fall to the ground, you'll never find it again. Uh, you'll, you'll struggle the rest of your life with that sense of identity, that sense of dignity, that sense of honor, uh, that at the end of the day, that's all I got. Uh, the only thing you've got, the only thing I've got, 
is my word. Uh, and the confession says, don't give that word lightly. And when you give that word, you keep it. So that's basically what we have to say about lawful oaths and vows. So we're at the end. I don't know. Is there any anything to be added to that? Any thoughts, questions, comments before we close? If not, let's close in prayer and we can go to our fellowship. Heavenly Father, uh, each of us here have have given oaths, uh, have given vows. Uh, We've given vows as parents to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We've given vows as spouses. We've we've given vows as members of the congregation. Uh, We've we've given our word. to good things, to bind us to to good things. Uh, Father, help us to be restrained by that word, uh, to to recognize the importance and seriousness of it, and by your grace uh, to fulfill those oaths and vows that we make. In Christ's name, amen.